Welcome to the Gateway.Live podcast. We're so glad you're here. We pray that God speaks to you through this message and through his word today. For more information about our church, please visit us at www.gatewaylife.com. Now let's tune in. Stepping out is never easy. The predictable, the comfortable, the familiar, all gravity. Clenching, holding, restraining. But we are a different breed. We do not accept the status quo. Come hell or high water, we will run boldly into the unknown. In search of purpose, promise, greatness, we are Pioneers. If you got a Bible, I want you to turn to two spots. I want you to open up to Isaiah 53. I want you to put a marker in John chapter 2. We've got a lot of work to do. Um, while you're turning to those spots, <laughs> let me tell you, you know, last week I told you uh, for the second week in a row what I'd be preaching on the next week. And yet again, I was reminded first thing on Monday morning, I am not in control of this thing. Uh, I, I woke up Monday morning in my typical routine, went in to be with the Lord and, and was all excited about getting ready to study Genesis 12, 2 and 3. And two hours of time went by, and I heard nothing. I mean nothing. I came up with six different ways to preach next week's message, and none of them were anointed. And so uh, after two hours, I I said to the Lord, you know, uh, I've almost been doing this 20 years, preaching. And I know I'm not the smartest tool in the shed, uh, but I have learned when you go quiet, it usually means because there's something else you want to talk about. So if you don't want to talk about Genesis 12, 2, and 3 this weekend, there's something else you'd like to talk about, please tell me now so I don't waste any more time. And this is what I felt like the Lord said. Preston, before we talk about me blessing you, there's something that happens in between the you doing what I say you must do and the me blessing you. And that is this, son, I break you. I break you. And so the title, oh so encouraging title of this weekend's message, is God's School of Brokenness. God's School of Brokenness. Psalm 51, verses 16 and 17, David says, You do not, God, desire a sacrifice, or I would offer one. You do not want to burn offering. The sacrifice you desire is a broken spirit. You will not reject a broken and repentant heart, O God. Have you ever noticed how there are just some verses in the Bible we'd like to overlook in the flesh? Have you ever noticed that before? This whole message is full of them. 
I mean, we're going to cover them all. And some of you are going to want to get up and leave during this message. And I totally understand because I wanted to get up and leave while I was studying for it. But I'm telling you, I believe God wants to do something really significant today in each of our lives. But we're going to have to come into agreement with what God's word says about brokenness. Many believers believe that suffering is unnecessary and even avoidable. But here's the problem with that. No believer will ever be exempt from God's school of brokenness. In fact, the larger God's plan for you, the longer school lasts for you. And then we have a bunch of people wanting to get out of class. I want a big calling. I want to do big things for God. Don't think you know what that means. It doesn't mean more fame. It means more brokenness. Because in God's kingdom, brokenness is a prerequisite for usefulness. Well, Preston, it sure sounds like you're telling me that God wants to hurt me. I mean, you're, you're, I, I don't even know if I believe in God, and, and you're kind of reaffirming my idea that God is a mean, angry being that just wants to punish us all of the time. Okay, listen. Brokenness, when done correctly, is a very beautiful thing. The only time brokenness gets ugly is when we fight against it. That's the only time God's breaking of us gets ugly when we push against it. If God is abusive because he breaks you, that must mean your doctor is sadistic because he does surgery on you. God's not abusive because he breaks us. It's when he breaks us that we may not be getting what we want, but we most certainly are getting what we need. But too many of us want the benefits that come after surgery without ever having to opt into the operation. But the good news is when God breaks you, he doesn't leave you in a million pieces. He actually reassembles them better than they were before. So the big question is, why do we have to go through God's school of brokenness? I'm going to give you a couple of answers. Here's the first one. Because Jesus was the valedictorian. Jesus was the valedictorian of God's school of brokenness, period, point blank. Let me show it to you. In the Old Testament, then in the New, Isaiah chapter 53, starting in verse 2, this is talking about Jesus the Messiah, the Savior of the world. It says this, My servant grew up in the Lord's presence like a tender green shoot, like a root in dry ground. There was nothing beautiful or majestic about his appearance, nothing to attract us to him. He was despised and rejected, a man of sorrows, acquainted with deepest grief. Jesus did not come 
to be beautiful. He came to be broken. And he knew it. Flip over to John chapter 12. And I'll show you from Jesus' own mouth that he fully understood God's plan in sending him here was not to walk around in beauty. It was to walk around in brokenness. John chapter 12, verse 23, Jesus says, Now the time has come for the Son of Man to enter into his glory. I tell you the truth, unless a kernel of wheat is planted in the soil and dies, it remains alone. But its death, what a great life principle and kingdom principle this passage is, but its death will produce many new kernels. Here's another way to say that. Only death produces fruit. Its death will produce many new kernels, a plentiful harvest of new lives. Those who love their life in this world will lose it. Those who care nothing for their life in this world will keep it for eternity. Anyone who wants to serve me must follow me. Because my servants must be where I am. And the Father will honor anyone who serves me. Now watch this next part. Now my soul. Now listen, he just said my followers must follow me. And then he says, now my soul is deeply troubled. Should I pray, Father, save me from this hour? Another way to say that is, should I say to the Father, remove me from all of this? Look at his response. No, this is the very reason I came. Father, bring glory to your name. I don't know if you realize this, but Jesus certainly did. The plan was for him to finish last in his class so that his followers could finish first as firstborns, not as orphans. Well, what does this have to do with me, Preston? I mean, this is Jesus. He was a man of sorrows, and he was acquainted with much and, and very deep grief. But what does that have to do with me? Okay, let me show you a very, very popular verse. Whoa, sorry. Getting all riled up. I think I have a bad connection. Sorry. I've been working out, you know what I mean? No, I'm just kidding. Romans chapter 8, verse 29 is a very, very popular verse. And I think sometimes the enemy takes important verses and tries to get us focused on things that take away from very important things in the rest of the verse. Okay, so when I read you this verse, you're going to know the word that stands out that the enemy has tried to get all of us on, on two different sides of the aisle to focus on theologically. Romans chapter 8, verse 29. For whom he foreknew, he also predestined. This is a very popular verse to argue over. I spent probably 20% of my college career arguing over this verse right here, okay? We get so focused on this word predestined, but watch this next phrase. He also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. Another way to say that is we were created to look just like him. Conformed to the image of Jesus Christ, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. We are called 
to be conformed to his image. Here's the question. What did Jesus look like on this earth? He was a man of sorrow. Man deeply acquainted with grief. Or Preston, listen, I'm, I'm, I'm not a uh, health and wealth kind of a guy, but when you start preaching like this, I kind of feel like I am. This is depressing. This is melancholy. No, it's theology. I'm sorry to come, in, come up into your wheelhouse, drive up into your neighborhood, and put this mail, that is the Bible, in your mailbox. I'm not trying to say that we need to walk around with a spirit of heaviness. Jesus said, hey, give me that heaviness. But I'm not talking about heaviness. I'm talking about brokenness. Jesus was a broken man on this earth. Yes, fully God, fully man. Interestingly enough, everybody prays for the power of God. I want the power of God in my life, yet nobody prays for the brokenness of Jesus. And interestingly enough, the greatest show of God's power was preceded by the incredible brokenness of Jesus. That's nasty right there. Yet everybody's walking around going, God, give me more power. And he's going, give me more brokenness. Everybody running around praying for the power of God. Let me say it this way. Never, never listen to a preacher who preaches on the power of God without teaching on the brokenness of Jesus. The two go hand in hand. Here's the second reason why we have to be enrolled as followers of Jesus Christ in God's school of brokenness. Because this school is designed to produce daydreamers. God's school of brokenness is designed in part to produce daydreamers. Now, not the kind of daydreamers that do nothing, but the kind of daydreamers that grow with excitement daily to take as many people with them where they have been called to go for eternity. Now, Revelation chapter 21, verses 3 and 4 says this, I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, Look, God's home is now among his people. He will live with them, and they will be his people. God himself will be with them. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and there will be no more death. Clearly speaking about heaven. There will be no more death, no more sorrow, no more crying, no more pain. All these things are gone forever. Can I get an amen? amen. Suffering and brokenness are reminders. We are headed to a place where those things do not exist. When we get too comfortable here on the earth, we have forgotten heaven is our destination. This is not home. This is a stop along the way. And when we experience suffering and brokenness, we should kind of get excited and go, huh, this is going to be, be over in what, 70, 80 years? The Bible says a thousand years is as a day. Well, not quite, but we're, we're closer. <laughs> suffering and brokenness need to remind us we're not staying here. This is just a stop 
along the way. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 34 says, you suffered along with those who were thrown into jail. And when all you owned was taken away from you, you accepted it with joy. Why? Because you knew there were better things waiting for you that will last forever. First Peter chapter 1, verse 6 gives the appropriate response. So be truly glad. There is wonderful joy ahead, even though you must endure many trials for a little while. How long is a little while? Here's the answer, a whole life. Don't you love going to church here? <laughs> Don't you just love this? This is just so encouraging, isn't it? Maybe we've gotten encouragement twisted. Maybe the word encourage doesn't mean to make me feel better. Maybe the word encourage actually means to put courage into no matter what you face. Yet we think of the word encouragement as, tell me what I want to hear, Pastor. Oh, I felt so encouraged by that message. Said no one after they walked out of one of my messages. <laughs> Listen, you have to decide. And every week, every week someone says to me, oh, I just love your messages. And, and one of these days, I'm just going to start responding like this. Hang around long enough and you won't. <laughs> I will say something you don't want me to say. I'm not talking about that you disagree with. I'm talking about something your flesh does not want me to say. Listen, how do I know? Because I'm in that boat too. I'm not sitting down when I'm at my best writing what I want to say. Listen, I don't want to be known as a preacher who is tweetable and memorable. I want to be known as a preacher who preaches what God says and what the people need. That's what I want to be known for. It's, it's not, hey, oh, Preston just makes me feel so good. Well, hopefully sometimes. But listen, if you've been around here for any amount of time, you know that will last a week because next week the other foot is going to drop. And not, not to be mean. It, it's, there's balance. There's balance. I can't just preach what you want to hear. I can't stand before God. When he says, did you say what I asked you to say? Well, no, Lord, because every once in a while they wanted me to say what they wanted to hear. I don't want to say that. And I'm, I'm actually coming to grips with this. At 40 years old, I'm starting to understand that I'm not for everybody because I'm sticking to this book. I'm not coming off of it no matter what the world is saying. I just can't, and neither can you. Your children's lives depend on it. I'm not watering it down. Now, I'm also not trying to condemn. But isn't it amazing in the day in which we live, many people call conviction condemnation? Those very same people call preaching on Jesus being a broken man melancholy. Let's get to something a touch more exciting, all right? This is a little heavy, and I get it. Let's get to point number three, all right? Brokenness brings blessings. 
brokenness brings blessings. Now, total full disclosure, uh, this week, I, in my conversation with the Lord, when he started talking about breaking and blessing, I was like, I, I, this was my response, but Lord, I don't know if that's your pattern. Because my mind immediately goes to one place. And you blessed it and then broke it. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Huh? The bread. Here's what the Lord said. Okay, I was kind of trying to correct him theologically just a little bit, I thought. And here's how he responded. Preston, the only thing I bless before I break it is the food. That's it. In every other situation, with every man I've ever used, with every woman I've ever used, I break before I bless. Now, I'm going to give you a couple of things. I hope you're taking notes. We're going to talk about the crushing that God allows in his school of brokenness that produces such sweet wine. The grape has to be crushed to produce the juice. The olive has to be crushed to produce the oil. There are times, many times in fact, when God allows crushing in our lives. But remember, he doesn't destroy us. He's not trying to crush us. He's actually trying to crush our crutches. So let me give you a couple of things that crushing does when God is behind it. But if you're taking notes, you better write this one-liner down because this was the four-alarm fire of the week, all right? When God hatches a huge plan, he chooses a small man and crushes him. And ladies, don't for a moment think I'm just talking about men. You know me better than that. But plan and man rhyme, so I'm talking about mankind, okay? <laughs> All right? You got me, ladies? I'm talking about God choosing men at the expense of women. We all know I'm not a chauvinist. I side with the ladies because I'm pretty sure God does, all right? Husbands, treat your wives in the way in which they should, or I won't listen to your prayers. That's what he says. So I'm siding with the ladies, all right? But when God hatches a huge plan, he chooses a small man and crushes him. Ask Moses. Ask Abraham. Ask Joseph. Ask David. Ask Peter. Ask Paul. I could go down the list. Crushing is a part of God's process. And every time you allow God to do some crushing in your life, the oil it produces is better than anything you could produce on your own. So let me give you a couple of things that God's crushings accomplish. Here's the first one. Crushing keeps you close. Crushing keeps you close. Close to what? Closer to the concrete than to the clouds. Crushing keeps you humble is another way to say it. 
2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7, Paul says, And lest I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of these incredible revelations I have been given, a thorn in my flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I be exalted above measure. Why is brokenness so important to humility? Because nobody brags when they're broken. I have been through this school too many times to count. I have been the foolish one who has walked with a swagger, not knowing when you do so. God takes you out at the knees. I remember one time, Lord and I were in a little bit of a wrestling match and I was, I was in my early 20s. I was feeling my oats and I thought I could do anything in my own strength. And I remember the Lord saying, Preston, the fastest way to let me know that you're not broken is to brag. And every time you brag for the rest of your life, I want you to hear the sound of breaking in your ears because breaking is coming. So this incidentally is why in a lobby if someone tells me hey you're an amazing preacher no I'm not no I'm not nope 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 you know I'm playing but part of brokenness is bringing humility into our lives some of my worst breaking immediately followed some of my ugliest bragging but God breaks us so that he can trust us he gives us more power so he can get more glory. The reason we must be broken is an unbroken person doesn't give God the glory. They make sure they get all the credit. In order for God to give us more power, there's a breaking that has to take place for me to be trustworthy with the power that God desires to give. Here's the second thing God's crushing does. Crushing keeps him close. Crushing keeps God close. Psalm 34, verse 18. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. He rescues those whose spirits are crushed. 2 Corinthians 1, verse 5. For the more we suffer for Christ, the more God will shower us with his comfort through Christ. God is close to the brokenhearted. Now, think about this for a minute. Why would Scripture say about a God who says, I'll never leave you or forsake you. Why would Scripture go even further and say, but God is close to the brokenhearted? If God says, I'll never leave you or forsake you, that means he's always close. But why does Scripture say, but he's really close to the brokenhearted? Let me try and help you understand this principle. When you get married, part of your vows involve saying in sickness and in health in good times and in bad times okay as it relates to marriage is it more tempting to leave a marriage in good times or bad in bad times right Okay, now I want you to think about this spiritually. But in Christianity, in your walk with God, it is most tempting 
to create distance between you and God, not in the bad times, but in good times. Think about this. You answer this for you. True or false, when times are bad, you are closest to God. This is awesome, isn't it? I mean, I'm just showing his cards. And you're like, I don't like these cards. I don't, I don't, I don't like this. Please stop. No more. Let's be done. Listen, I don't know why it works this way. Actually, I do, and you do too. We were created to need him. And when things are always going amazingly well, isn't that the time when there's a little bit of temptation to think we can do it without him? It can start to creep in. Why is God so close to the brokenhearted? Because the brokenhearted are so close to him. Here's the next thing that God's crushings do. Your crushing comes in handy when others are being crushed. Your crushing comes in handy when others are being crushed. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 3. God is our merciful Father and the source of all comfort. He comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort others. When they are troubled, we will be able to give them the same comfort God gave us. God comforts us in difficult times so that we can comfort others. When does God provide the most comfort? In the middle of the crushing. Part of what God does in his school of brokenness is to help us all remember what it feels like to hurt what it feels like to limp. In my opinion, it is only the broken man, it is only the broken woman who pulls over to the side of the road like the Good Samaritan. On the other side of that coin, only the unbroken man, only the unbroken woman keeps on driving by. Your crushing comes in handy when others are being crushed. It keeps us sensitive to pain. And here's the last thing. God's crushing is the path to God's power. Paul figured this out in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 10. He said, this is why I take pleasure in my weaknesses and in the insults and the hardships, the persecutions and the troubles that I suffer for Christ. When I am weak, then I am strong. If you're taking notes, I want you to write these two one-liners down. Really, there's three in this. Here's the first one. Power that does not come through weakness ruins a person. This is why the crushing of the crucifixion always comes before the power of Pentecost. The crushing comes before the power. 
this should be really good news for somebody who feels like they are in God's vice grip right now. That he's squeezing some of the unnecessary things of your life out of you. That is good news, not bad. You don't need it. And here's how you know. Because whatever he's squeezing out of you, you're not going to need in heaven. He's getting it out of you. He's getting it off of you. This is what he does when he crushes us. God's power can only be contained in fragile vessels. Last week I was in Dallas and uh, Holly was with me and that's, that's rare uh, that she goes with me as, as much as I have to be there. And something had happened and I was frustrated and uh, nothing big. It, it just, you know, how something happens and, and in life, it doesn't matter what area, but, it, you know, things can kind of just build and then you just kind of snap because of it. I'm sure I'm the only one that's ever happened to. You're all so godly. <laughs> I'm going to come forward for altar ministry at the end of this message and have all of you pray for me. We were driving to the airport, and I, I was just going off. God, I don't understand why your process has to be like this. This is so frustrating to me. Why does your process for my life have to be so bloody? It's nonstop. When is it going to end? I'm tired of having to be the one that constantly gets humiliated in public. And I was just going off. And this is where the burden for this message came from. I woke up the next morning and went in to have my time with the Lord. And I was still frustrated. Man, God, this is so annoying. I'm tired of being broken. When is enough enough? I'm done with this. This hurts too much. It's too embarrassing. This is what I felt like the Lord said. So are you leaving my school of brokenness? Preston, understand. If you opt out of this surgery, you will stay sick forever. For the rest of your life on this earth, you will remain sick. I am doing a deep work in you. But isn't it amazing? When God is trying to do his deepest work, we are most frustrated. He is doing something sweet, and I am behaving simply, horrifically. Why? Because the flesh hates being broken. But our God loves what brokenness produces. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes.
I know this is a tough message. I get it. I know you were coming in excited to talk about the blessings of God. And it seems like I pulled a fast one on you talking about the brokenness of Jesus. But you need to understand I'm trying to get you ready for the blessings. I didn't know this is the direction we needed to go, but God did. And this week as I've been praying over this moment of this service, I so strongly have been feeling that God wants to do a very significant thing that he wants to speak very, very clearly. But his speaking in this moment must be preceded by our coming into alignment and into agreement that we will follow Jesus in every area, in every way. That we will look like him. And that means if there is a place in my life God is trying to do some crushing before I hear what he has to say he needs to hear me say I opt in I'm not skipping class I will sit in the front row of your school of brokenness. With every head bowed and every eye closed. We're just going to be in an atmosphere of worship for a few minutes. I want there to be some time for you to have a conversation with the God of the universe. Because you might be fighting his breaking. The best advice I can give you if that's you, give in. I want us to take a moment before God speaks, we all must say to him, God, take a look at every area of my life and keep breaking me until you have me right where you want me. I want you just to open up your heart. I want you to give God access to every place in it. And I want you to hear your heart say to him, make me more like Jesus. 
Break me. Break me so that you can fully use me. Let's say that and then let's just listen to him. Let's listen to his response because he's going to respond. It's in the breaking You become all I ever want you to be You become all you were meant to be God 
Yeah. 
Thanks for joining us on Gateway.Live. For more information about Gateway Church, please visit us at www.gatewaylife.com.